we were walking crosswind and the one just yeah ran off to our our right um in the wind and yeah just i i pitched my bird up she pitched up about 50 feet and i just watched her and by the time i could see the jackrabbit over like the juvenile yeah she had it by the ass just like yeah already riding it and then my adult bird just came in and just slammed it on the head and that, that was yeah it was it was pretty special Hey, how's it going, everyone? Welcome back for another episode of the Falconry Toll Podcast, brought to you in part by the fine folks at Marshall Radio Telemetry, the makers of the most carefully engineered and reliable tracking systems available. For more information on their awesome products, including their GPS system, head to marshallradio.com. And also in part by the Falconry Fund. The Falconry Fund is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting and protecting the various arts and practices of falconry and the cultural and environmental assets that make it possible. For more information on what the Falconry Fund has going on and also to donate, head to falconryfund.org. And as we announced during our last episode, we're happy to continue our new media partnership with the folks at Pursuit Falconry and Conservation Magazine, who aims to bring you articles from around the world written by falconers for falconers promoting the art of falconry to their readers. If you haven't got a chance to check out this awesome new publication yet, head to pursuitfalconry.co.uk to check it out and also to subscribe. And last weekend, I got a chance to go and hang out with all my Kentucky Falconer friends at their recent field meet and got a chance to hang out with and catch up with Tyler Rankin over those couple days and find out what's been new with the Kentucky Club as well as kind of the latest goings on with him and also got a chance to get a couple new stories out of him. So let's just jump right in with the latest podcast with Tyler Rankin. Here we go. Sweet. All right, we're rolling, and uh, yeah, so we're in kind of crammed. <laughs> we're kind of crammed into our little hotel room here. It's lovely. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, uh, what's the name of this place again? Remind we're at me. the uh, General Butler State Park in Carrollton, Kentucky. Nice. Yep. Okay. Yeah, we're uh, we're here at this uh, one of the annual meets that the Kentucky Club puts on, and um, yeah, I'm just sitting here with Tyler, and he was nice enough to go ahead and let me stay with him. For a couple days on my very very last minute, <laughs> very 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 last minute plans to uh, to go ahead and and join and hang out with uh, with my friends here at the Kentucky Crew. So nice enough to let me crash in his room and uh, hang out for a bit. And so yeah, I just wanted to kind of talk to you some more and catch up a little bit and kind of have you know your first official part two you know episode right. of the yeah. podcast. And I think it was what back in jeez. Uh, March, February, March, April, something. It was uh, when I was doing my contract in Lexington, and it I was. just started Weren't it. Weren't you doing that? I thought you were doing that like January. No, it so. wasn't quite that early. Okay. It was. Uh, it was at least March or April, I think. Okay. Yeah. I'd have to. I have to actually go Spring. back and look at the actual yeah. date of release for that for that it episode. All runs together. But it's been almost a year, in other words. Sure, absolutely. You know? yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, how's uh, how's your season been going? What uh, what are you currently doing, and what's been different for you compared to the last season or two? Season's going well. I guess last time we talked, I had the uh, red tail and a female Harris flying those both really well. I um, well, the Harris actually, yeah, she had the broken toe, so she was recovering at the time. So I really got to focus with that uh that passage red shell i had and she was yeah she ended the season great she i had a lot of fun with her um ended up releasing her in april and uh still have the the adult harris uh sue and um 
this year I decided, yeah, I wanted to try to fly a cast. So ended up um, fortunately getting a bird from the Colsons, uh, another female. And there was always kind of the risk, I guess, the um, of just not two birds not getting along, trying to fly a cast. Um, but I guess I was, I got pretty lucky there where the birds did end up getting along real well. And, and so I'm flying hard, having a great season with, uh, with the two female Harris's right now. Cool. I mean, before you did that, were you dead set on having two females or did you want like what most people consider to be kind of the, um, ultimate cast of a male and a female or whatever? Yeah. I saw advantages, I think with both of them. Um, I, I'm not interested in getting into breeding or anything right now i know that yeah they wouldn't be sexually mature for a few more years but i mean i'd be keeping these birds birds for a while so i that was kind of one of the turnoffs i just really wasn't interested in doing any kind of breeding or preventative measures from breeding or anything like that so um and then just like the kind of game i just like the female harris flight style a lot better i know the males you can fly different game with them a little bit more versatile just their flight styles different i, I love watching male harris's fly but um, just a cast of two females. We go after um, mostly rabbits, but I mean, we hit the occasional squirrels every now and then. So I think um, you got a little bit more more protection with uh, with the female Harris against squirrels too. Well, yeah, and you know, after seeing kind of the <laughs> the downside of uh, having like you know that female Harris that I'm messing with right now and trying to continually get going and seeing how she was squirreling kind of on her own time and. You know, I mean, you you know, kind of going in, especially if you decide you want to squirrel hunt, knowing that there's a good chance you're going to get at least one toe or possibly even a foot bitten off. Oh, yeah. Or whatever the case may be. They start learning, yeah. Yeah. That's how they learn, too, I think. Yeah, and, and after <laughs> after getting out today, especially at this meet, and seeing everybody with Harris's, you know, that are squirrel hawkers, yeah, there's not a single one of them that hasn't been bitten. No. And and that's not to say that you should or shouldn't do it one way or the other. It's just you know that that's going to happen inevitably. Right. You know, it's, it's just it's the severity point. of the bite. Exactly. You know, you're going to get yeah. some bites, and they're treatable, um, mm-hmm. easily treatable. Um, but, yeah, some can be pretty bad. Some, yeah, you gotta got to let them rest up. I mean, you get some swelling infections from some bad bites. I mean, some could get even worse. Yeah, they hit tendons, toes, all mm-hmm. that stuff. But I've – so far, knock on wood, I've been uh, yeah pretty fortunate in that regard. We've taken some bites, but I think that's I mean that, that's how they learn. I've I've noticed more success of them. Yeah, when they catch squirrels now, they're they're grabbing them by the head sure a lot more now and just kind of learning that way because I think the first few, I mean a chamber bird, yeah, they just they they'll go after anything and then <laughs> grab it by the grab it by the back and then that's uh and you get the mouth from the, <laughs> on their feet there. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I it's something I still want to do. I think probably if I'm just kind of judging off of how my season's gone, which has been trash, as you know, we've, we've already <laughs> talked about that, but I'll probably end up trying to do the classic red tail and squirrels again next season since I didn't have very much luck and, of course, naturally decided to somehow end up with another red tail that doesn't want to do squirrels. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but – um, but, you know, it was really cool seeing how, you know, I, and I'd kind of seen it before, but each time you get a chance to spend a lot of time out in the field with Harris's in particular, and, you know, red tails, for whatever reason, you know, their feet are thicker, they, they seem to be able to handle those bites better. But seeing just how much some of these Harris's, you know, and 
uh, their their tenacity and just the the pure gaminess of some of them. They can <laughs> they can have you know you'd be bleeding from multiple you know puncture wounds on their feet, you know, right. and be, be bandaged up on a couple, be missing part of a toe, whatever. And they just absolutely do not care. They keep going. They right. just keep going and keep going and keep going. And it, as you know, I know this from experience too that sometimes whenever you get an, just an overly gamey Harris, it can be somewhat of a of a downside. It at can times. be dangerous. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That's how my female was her first year. I mean, yeah, we'd go. They, she'd grab turkeys. She, I mean, and then stupid stuff. She'd attack dog toys in the yard. She'd grab mm-hmm. white-tailed deer, like just <laughs> anything. And it's just yeah, we try to break her those habits. But mm-hmm. I've really. I've really enjoyed watching these two work together. It's yeah. it's been really cool because I mean it, it was hard enough you deal with the frustrations and the training to get you know a, a freshly you know the chamber bird going on their own, getting them to look land in trees, getting them to look up trees, getting them to know what to attack. But having a made bird there and then getting a new bird, it's made it so much easier and so much better. And it's been really cool just to watch them, you know, learn from each other and they've kind of started working together. One will perch high, one will perch low, you know, one will fly way far ahead, one will hang back. They kind of they know like they see me beating brush. They know to get right on top. They'll both get on either side of a, you know, the thicket that I'm beating and stuff. It's it's been really cool to watch them. Then gave me a new appreciation for them flying two then Originally, just yeah, having the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something that I think I, I really want to do at some point also. You um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really think that that's probably going to be on one of the, I don't want to say super future you know, ahead of time, you know, like way out in the future, but probably in the next handful of seasons, I'll probably just go ahead and, and probably bite the bullet and do that. Yeah. Simply because you know especially the la- this season and last season have kind of burnt me out on trying things that are a little bit out of the realm you know of of uh, not necessarily possibility but out of the realm realm of uh, of of realism yeah. you know as far as what we can do in our in They're our area definitely a safe bet for yeah. where we're hunting and what we're hunting and that that seems like it's going to be the next thing that's going to be the most fun thing to do and and practical with that not only practical but it it's going to you know, you're going to have a lot of fun doing it and it's totally doable and, and, um, you know, it's going to increase your, you know, your chance, assuming you get two decent birds, of course, but get two decent birds. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it, you have your frustrations. I mean, sometimes, yeah, you put them up, they'd start quabbling over a little stuff. You know, one would go down, you know, after a mouse, they'd see the other one try to eat a mouse and they, you know, bicker over the little stuff, mm-hmm. but, um, it can be stressful <laughs> just sometimes trying to, you know, we were well we had four out today i mean just trying uh-huh. to like okay one two three just trying to count them all like where everybody's right. at and everything if you're in a big group um telling them apart from each tell other them apart who's who and everything and that that's but those are like the i think some of the benefits too from them because you can one you just meet up with friends i mean who have other birds try to try them out try to fly them together mm-hmm. have a lot of fun that way um I was thinking, yeah, today, like you can just, yeah, you can just walk off and not really, not really exactly knowing where your bird is, but knowing that your, yeah, your Harris is somewhere around there and you're, yeah. you don't have this fear of it just like being totally lost, like you would a red tail or sure. any other wild trap bird, really. So it's, uh, it's got its, no, I mean, I think it's the benefits way far yeah, outweigh the, the risks and the, uh, I guess the downfalls of it. Well, just in the short amount of time that you've been flying two Harris's in a cast, I mean, do you think that, there's definitely more of an advantage of 
I mean, because I mean, some people will go ahead and just get two immatures together, you know, at the same time. Right. I know. And, yeah, and just and you know, just go with it. And, and I don't know I mean, how people do that. <laughs> that is, yeah, too, because I I know the yeah the problems having just an Im- not the problems, but just the you know the steps you have to overcome having one immature bird, but having two, and then they could probably learn the wrong things from each other. I could see a lot of yeah behaviors going, but people do that, but. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure I'd have the patience for that either. I'd almost want to have one made bird, yes, you know, to kind of teach makes the it other made bird. I think so that's much the route better. I'd probably rather go to. Absolutely. But, I mean, you never know. I mean, it can still, <laughs> depending on uh, the circumstances and, and just the nature of, of how these birds are, and you never quite know what you're going to get. I mean, we, we talked about that not too long ago, actually, whenever I was having the issues with my bird that I was having, and you know, and I lost her for that short period of time about how so much of, of getting a good bird, it seems like, I mean, you can do everything in your power with some of these birds and sometimes you just cannot make it a good bird. Right. But sometimes you get these birds that you can put minimal effort into and they turn out to not only be amazing, but make you look amazing in the process. Right. And then there's a whole gamut of Right in between, somewhere in the middle. That's true. You find you find out, but it, it takes you have to work on certain things, um, and you know, do things a different way to accommodate these quirky behaviors or just the way that these birds do things. And you kind of got to figure those out. But yeah, like we were saying, I mean, a lot of it. I think it's why some people get to immature Harris's because you have, I think, a better chance. And this is in my limited knowledge of Harris mm-hmm. hawks, and yeah. you know, because yeah. I've, I've only flown two, but I think you getting two immature ones, you have a better chance of them getting along mm-hmm. in the field. So I, so they're adapting together and, and learning exactly. And they're grow, learning growing together, right? The they're same around time. each other all the mm-hmm. time. Yeah, yeah. But introducing, yeah, a young bird to a new bird, totally unrelated. You know, just throw it into this other bird's environment. Yeah, I can see why there'd be a whole lot of potential issues there. Which fortunate for me, and it, it does happen. But fortunately for me, that didn't happen. We. I, I basically just perched him out in my yard. You know, I got this bird in August. I think this new bird in August just had him perched out in my yard every day right next to each other. Um, had the dogs running around in the, in the yard. That was one other thing I'm very lucky about this year with that new bird is that it doesn't have any interest in, you know, aggression towards dogs or fear mm-hmm. of dogs or anything. Mm-hmm. And that's I, we love to hunt our dogs here. So. Yeah, that's definitely one thing I've noticed about this Kentucky club a lot more even than some of the other clubs I've seen is everybody not everybody in this club not only has at least one dog but has multiple dogs. And people you are know, known like for more of the, yeah, like I think you you two know or three on average dogs more than you know their birds really. Yeah, you know people's <laughs> dogs, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, you can yeah, it's it's a lot easier to remember dog names and falconer mm-hmm. names half the time. You know? Right. Especially, you know, us with our amazing intellect and and uh <laughs> and just a wonderful learning capacity it's more right? fun to watch the dogs sometimes yeah. really just watching the dogs yeah just get out there and let them do their thing it's yeah. great but no you're you're right i think yeah back to what you were saying just about just luck i mean what you can like i yeah i was really lucky and it could have been something totally different just with a different bird you know different it plays who knows genetics or just or what it is and and then that's even just like with wild trap birds i mean i know apprentices they'll get their first birds you know it looks great it's very calm when they first trap it you know it mans well but then you get into some you know and they do everything right and honestly they they talk to their sponsor it seems that they take the process you know seriously they do it right they keep track of everything but they just can't get success with 
certain birds. Mm-hmm. And that can be discouraging, I think, to a lot of, you know, first year apprentices that they're doing something wrong. But I think the more times you do it, I mean, sure, you can have crappy birds your first, you know, year. But that that's why I think, yeah, I mean, you should train multiple birds during your apprenticeship just to yeah. do that process. Yeah. Cause, cause it can, and your luck it, increases. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I've had this conversation many times with, with other guys too, that sometimes it's almost more of a curse that you end up with a really good bird as your first bird. Right. Because you don't appreciate right off the bat, just how good number one, a bird is, but number two, how lucky you've gotten it to, to get a, you know, one of those low percentage birds that, are really receptive and all in to hunting with you. Sure. And uh, I know I've I mentioned it before on, on the podcast a few different times, but it's almost like you can't emphasize it enough because, I mean, there are times that I think, man, I, you know, I really should have just went ahead and kept my first bird. Yeah. You know? But, you know, especially now, you know, once you're, you know, six, seven, multiple, you know, seasons now People in think of, like, their first bird. Mm-hmm. And not that they don't want to release them, but, like, what was your best bird? And, like, a lot of people just go back to their first bird. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just because you have those, you know, new fun experiences with them. Whenever, basically, you you have that good first bird, you don't quite appreciate, like I said, just that, the the just how bad it can be. You right. know, and if you start off, you know, with with those bad experiences and go ahead and weather, you know, those kind of um, more, I don't know, like just those not ideal situations. Not your ideal, first, just your the first couple years. Yeah, the effort that yeah. you put in it makes you realize what you got when you finally get one. When you get one, yeah. right? Yeah, and you're going to be less likely to want to let that bird go. And and you know, I've mentioned several times too. It's like it's it's so easy now to understand why a lot of guys keep birds for, you know, five, six, seven, eight, you know, sure. as many, as many years and as they can. And they keep getting can. better and better mm-hmm. year after year too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think it's, yeah. And, and with having, I think it just makes it even more depressing maybe, or just like you beat <laughs> your, you're just harder on yourself too. If you have a really good bird at first and then, yeah, you turn that one loose and then you have, you know, some not so great birds right after that. It's yeah. yeah and then you're just, you're kind of questioning your whole, falconry decisions what mm. you're doing like if i should be doing this you know kind of thing and i think yeah it's it, you can beat yourself up a little bit more if you put yourself in that situation but it's luck of the draw really i mean especially yeah with with any bird really yeah for sure mm-hmm. and e- even proven birds can be a completely different type of bird going to a, a new owner as i right. as i've learned very painfully this season mm-hmm. and uh yeah it's it's one of those things where i have to after credit matt molinex for for uh giving me this this quote because he got it from uh, someone else that that he knows but um he told me whenever i was having issues with that bird and and uh i was talking to him about some different things he said we as falconers we don't make mistakes we just pay tuition (laughs) and (laughs) and when he said that he's i told him i was gonna steal it (laughs) you know because that that's probably one of the best sayings that I've ever heard, especially in, you know, in application to this sport, because literally, you know, you're, you're constantly paying you're some kind of dues. yourself. Yeah. <laughs> All season. I mean, you're punishing yourself. Uh, you, you really are. It's it's never easy. Mm-hmm. It's never totally. Yeah. Easy. I mean, you got to put in the effort, but you, you want to, yeah, you put in that effort so that you can get those successful rewards. And once you start getting like little tastes of that as you're going, I mean, you just keep wanting it more and more. And then you just, yeah. 
so you try different things. You just you keep on putting more effort into it, and it becomes addicting. Really, I mean, just getting getting out there because you're you're doing it for the birds too. You're not just doing it for yourself for your entertainment. You mm-hmm. see, these birds are doing what they love to do, and and you just yeah, you just keep pushing them and pushing them, and uh, yeah, it definitely takes a toll. Yeah, I mean, it's the same. I'm pretty spent at the end of the season in March, <laughs> emotionally and physically. Absolutely, and, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's the reason why so many people love incorporating dogs into it too, is because it gives them that extra uh, mile worth of bond with their dog. Also, as mm-hmm. far as you know, certain type types of breed or certain <laughs> types of breed, certain types of breeds are bred to do you know a certain thing right. and whenever you see how happy that dog is with you in the field and doing something else that's that's making it that much happier it just increases that bond that much further too which you know is another reason why it's it's that much more addictive in that sense and then too. there's the whole triangle part of it too where you see like now i'm to the point really where i can send my dogs out and they'll just go do their thing the birds follow the dogs the dogs hear the you know the bells jingle where the birds going the dogs follow the birds they don't need me anymore like i'm i'm standing <laughs> back being a spectator which is which mm-hmm. is awesome sometimes and i think that's that's like when you've reached that level you know you're yeah in a really good spot there especially when we were we were working with dogs you got that triangle yeah i guess with you the dog and the bird yeah for sure well so as far as the the different stuff that the Kentucky club has had going on aside from this meet what other stuff's been going on with the club? I haven't got a chance to catch up with you much about that recently. Yeah, we talked uh, a little bit last night. So we, um, I feel we've got a really good group of people working together uh, this year. We're coming into our second year with our current officers. Um, we've had a lot of people step up, wanting to do new things. Uh, we got a new, this guy, Mike Crawford. He's our new website administrator. He's done some really cool things. It's, it's nice to see people bring in new ideas wanting to make improvements for the club. Cause like I told these people last night, it's, it, this is your club. It's not mine. I'm not going to make it for you. If this is your club, we can make it whatever we want to. And yeah, bring, bring whatever skills you have to the table here and, um, and we'll, we'll make it happen. So, um, we do our annual picnic. We did it here at general Butler state park. And then we chose the meet to do it here in the same location. Uh, it's pretty central in the state. I believe everybody from Kentucky had, you know, it's a less than a three hour drive for everybody around the state. So, uh, we thought that was a good place to have it here. Um, we did do a apprentice workshop. Um, we, we contacted Kentucky fish and wildlife and they let us use one of their facilities in Frankfurt. And we did a, uh, kind of an intro to falconry workshop one day. And we're going to do that again in March. I think we got a good a lot of good response and, and ideas from the first one uh, just for kind of give people a crash course like Falconry 101, what it takes to get your license kind of thing. Um, sure, you can sit there and read online about, you know, um, your checklist of requirements, but we kind of go into a little bit more just um, about like land acquisition, you know, being sure you have enough time to, you know, commit. Um, we got, yeah, put on a pretty good workshop, I think. So, um and fish and wildlife's been really receptive to that and they've come out and they were yeah our falconry coordinator was at that last uh last workshop there and was there to answer questions and everything so we've got a good thing going on there too so we're going to do that again in march and hopefully because our birds will still be at weight then so we may do a little bit more kind of flying interaction cool type stuff i did a uh fundraiser for I, I basically yeah did a fundraiser for a raptor rehab up in cincinnati ohio not too far from my house 
where people bid on opportunities to go out for a falconry experience. These people are more interested. You know, they see raptor education shows, go see the, you know, the rap education raptors at the facility and stuff. So they got into the falconry experience. So that was a lot of fun. And we got a lot of club members involved with that because I got my cast of Harris Hawks. But these people paid a good amount of money to see some falconry for a day. So wanted to keep it, you know, kind of going. So we got yeah, members brought up their birds and uh, took them out and everybody really enjoyed it. Cool. Kind of blew some minds, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did that over what three different weekends? We did, yeah, we did three different opportunities too. So it was a little bit like weather pending. Um, we we tried to schedule it in the best we could. I mean, we had some great success. One day we had yeah groups. You know, one couple came out, then we had like a group of oh, like a family of five come out, and then yeah, a group of four ladies who worked for the Cincinnati Museum came out. So nice. cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so as far as um, you know, kind of going back to the meet and. Uh, you know how this stuff is organized something I, I really haven't got much of a chance to, to talk to other clubs about is what all goes into to organizing this stuff because i i know a little bit from you know the guys that i hunt with and, and friends with from you know our indiana club sure you know how they go about you know doing some of their meetings and planning and coordinating for for our meets and stuff but how do you guys go about doing the planning and organizing for this stuff? I like how you guys you guys have your three meets a year, right? And you guys have uh, been... yeah, three. It's three. Technically, f- uh, one, two, three. You four, do three four. different locations. Oh, four. Yeah, four. Um, but that might get consolidated back down to three at okay. some point. But and then we also have our summer picnic. Right. Along with that. I'm saying you guys do it in a different way where you, I mean, you have your same three locations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, different parts of the Mm -hmm. state, you know, throughout the season. So people who necessarily are too far away to go to one can always go to the other. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's great. We've, we're really at the point right now. um, And we've got a good system down for planning our meets. Really, we do just do the one a year. Um, We did it now in late January. Just kind of learning year to year. Um, We had some issues. We did one in February last year where which is technically after rabbit season ends for gun hunters um so hunting in wildlife management areas some of the game wardens you know didn't really quite understand like that falconry is still legal to take rabbits but with a gun it's not so they thought you can't hunt rabbits period so we i guess to we we did have some good talks with them but i think to avoid that issue we held our meet in late january this year so really what goes into it is basically picking a basic like a, a central location, and you base that central location off of you know where the most hunting land is around. And we've we have not since I've been around we have not done a meet in the same place in the state you know in consecutive years. Um, I guess since since we were doing it in Carlisle, Kentucky, where we held our, our regional meet a couple of years ago, but we like to kind of move around because we're all really spread out throughout the state. We got people, yeah, in Owensboro and then in Eastern Kentucky, so it's a far drive for somebody. So I think we picked a good location this year um, here in Carrollton, which we're about halfway between Louisville and Cincinnati. It's um, so, like I said, it's a pretty central location for a lot of the Falconers in the state. We there was seven or eight WMAs uh, right down the Kentucky River. The Kentucky River flows into the Ohio right by this um, where we're at here. Uh, so the lot lot there, we have some uh members yeah around henry and owen county got some private farms for us to use so uh land yeah land for enough people to hunt is kind of the primary um consideration when you're trying to pick a place to have your meet so 
we thought this was pretty good. Um, it seemed to work out well. We've been finding game every day, and it sounds like everybody else has been been uh, having a good time as well. So, um, and then just kind of goes into it, the perks of having the meet. Um, we do t-shirts every year. Mike Crawford, he has a, a t-shirt company and graphic designer. He designs our shirts for us. Decals, people want to get, you know, kind of a little memento after every meet. So we'll do t-shirts. We occasionally try to do like at least like one kind of sit down meal gathering together. Uh, this year we were just going to do, since we're all staying here at the same resort, uh, everybody's just going to go have dinner. And then, uh, after that, we're going to have the club's going to provide, yeah, desserts and cash bar, and we're going to do our big raffle, uh, tonight. So just kind of a gathering, just kind of reminiscing about the weekend and, and talking about stuff. Just, we don't get to see each other very much. We see a lot of times on social media. Um, it's also, yeah. So just to see each other at least this once or twice a year and then even get other people involved. We've got a lot of people here. Uh, who've you know never seen birds fly or only you know want to get into falconry want to learn a lot more and they come out too so we kind of try to advertise it you know in a public sense as well not just to club members but also yeah just to uh, kind of advertise it to the public just yeah if you want to see some birds fly come on out kind of thing so it's I mean we got a good system down going you know just the the check boxes you got to do um, basically location get your resort down plan your party get raffle items, make t-shirts. And then correspondence is very, communication is key because <laughs> there's always something that, you know, we forget about like, wait, we, we forgot to pe tell people where to meet in the morning. Like, you know, mm -hmm. and like just something that totally slips your mind. But, um, usually, yeah, everybody knows at least somebody here that you could call like, Oh, where, where are we going? But, um, yeah, the, just the communication with people. So we, we got a new website. We started using like Eventbrite where we could communicate with people who register because we need to know how many people register. We don't require a registration fee. We just need to kind of get a tally of, you know, how many RSVPing that lets us get shirts, how much, you know, land birds we need, we're going to have here or we need to have. So, um, it's been a lot of fun. I like planning these events. I like running social clubs. It's been, it's cool. It's just, it's a lot of fun to get to see these people and, and hang out and, and kind of see it all kind of come together. So how, how often do you guys have meetings and do you guys do like the zoom deal or do you guys get on conference calls or we like do? Yeah. Often? And like we have, yeah, our, our four officers, um, we got, yeah, Jared Smith, Gabby Seymour and Kirk Graves, who are our yeah, vice president, secretary and treasurer respectively. And, uh, yeah, like I said, we've been working together for about two years and I think we've, yeah, we've done a great job. I'm, I'm really enjoyed working with these folks. Just, they've got great ideas brought to the table. We'll meet, kind of depends on our schedule. So we were meeting every, just on a Microsoft Teams or Zoom call, like once every two, three weeks, kind of leading up to this meet, just making sure we had all the checklists off. Somebody was emailing potential raffle vendors, you know, um, trying to get, yeah, solicit raffle items. Uh, everybody was, yeah, real generous with that. Then um, communication with the resort here just as far as yeah reserving like our conference center getting the room blocks reserved just kind of yeah making sure we're all kind of set up and then communicating with everybody so <laughs> yeah and then in the summer i mean we kind of take a break i will pro we'll probably take a break after uh after this meets over because we don't really have many big events coming up we're going to do that apprentice workshop here in uh in march but we've done that before so i think we we've got a pretty good framework for for how that's going to go do you have dates for that yet no dates planned yet no i'm thinking march though sometime in march later on in march 
Okay. So for everybody listening, they just need to keep checking back for the website if they want to attend mm-hmm. that. Yep. KentuckyFalconry.com. Yeah. We've got an events page or events calendar on there right now. So we will, yeah, keep that posted once we set a date Sweet. and a location. We'll, we'll get that posted on our website. So you think for the foreseeable future, though, I mean, for anybody that might be around the area and stuff, they're pretty much just going to have the chance to, to go to like two different meets. Do you guys see expanding possibly to, to have multiple, like more than one, like in different areas, kind of like, what you say like indiana does we and do mini meets or- i think yeah and i think it, it can be opened up it just holding a meet yeah you have to get a lot of land and you have a yeah. lot of groups um just yeah making sure that's all yeah that's all set up so i think yeah some people want to do mini meets where you kind of we don't go the full shebang with t-shirts and you know meals raffles all that stuff but just like hey come together we'll get together for a day We'll go hunt. Maybe go out to dinner afterwards, kind of thing, and just call that a mini meet. Just these small social gatherings. We did try to do two. It's it can be a lot. I think, yeah, early season, uh, November. You know, you want to put on a meet, but a lot of people are focused on getting their birds going and stuff. Then um, people are still probably trapping red tails at the same time. So, yeah, <laughs> I think usually about late January, everybody who's got birds has got birds going, and uh, it's, it's just a good time to do that. And then you know, in another month or so other, you, we, we want to take into account other clubs meets that are going on as well. So there's plenty of opportunities. Um, I try to make, make it to a few meets, um, around the, around the country every year, the other clubs and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like a good plan at least. I mean, you guys are still growing and, you know, still kind of, uh, you know, getting, um, I guess more of like the, the funding and stuff coming in and, and things to where you're, you're able to grow, you know, so, sure. But I think so. I mean, we done. Yeah, I mean, we had 85 members last last year. Um, yeah, we've kind of started our new registration re- dues renewal process. We're we're expecting the same amount this year, and it was cool because we I believe we reported almost just 50 of those members are licensed Kentucky Falconers, but then the rest of them, like the other 35, are either out of state Falconers who've shown us our support or their support, and um, just non-falconers who just want to get more information so we really kind of want to cater our club to those people as well those those dues paid members also who want to learn about falconry so that's why we do things like the apprentice workshop um that's a good idea do different meetups and and stuff too and the picnic's always a good opportunity people bring their birds out uh we'll do our picnic in june this year probably it's it's worked great here the past two years so i think we'll do that here again cool yeah, no, it sounds like a sound plan. I wanted to kind of touch on that, though, for just a little bit, because I don't think people realize just how much work goes into maintaining, you know, those kind of organizations and, and um, you know, how important they are also to to kind of keep, I don't want to say the survival, but the you know, keep the growth and just the outreach, you know, for, for the sport. Absolutely. And, you know, the different states, you know, I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Right. And, and it's hard for people to appreciate if they don't know. You know, right. So. And also, you know, because, you know, talking about this stuff, it makes other people aware that you guys have these things and they'd be on the lookout for them if they want to, you know, check it out. You mm-hmm. know, so, but yeah, I mean, as far as everything else, though, I mean, it's just in general. I mean, the last time we talked, you know, I know that we, uh, you know, touched on a few things. I mean, if people want to hear how you kind of got into the, the sport and all that kind of fun, happy that. nonsense, yep. you know, they can listen to the, to the, <laughs> part one i exactly. guess the first right. episode but but you wanted to to share a few more 
funny stories you said. Oh, and, yeah. And I actually did a, think of some this time. Yeah. That happened yeah. shortly after we did the podcast, and I was like, oh, crap. I should have. <laughs> yeah. wish we have done that podcast later. Yeah. There's a, there's a few guys. I know Fincher did the same thing, and, and a few other guys have done the same thing, too. It's just like, even if I tell them ahead of time, like, usually I... These are definitely some things I want you to share. Or whatever it's, it's like that, that, uh, that, you know, test day mental, mental like lapse. You know, right. that drawing Just a blank. In the, in the, yeah, yeah. Which I've been but, having like half the time while we've been talking here. But <laughs> I hope I sound all right on the way out. No, but, it's um, all good. Yeah, we. Uh, these are meat stories too. I went down to Demopolis, Alabama last year, and now yeah, I had a lot of fun. I'm going to go back this year too. Uh, they put on the Alabama club puts on a great meet down there and i've taken a lot I, I like to go to other meets just to kind of you know learn see what other clubs are doing how they're doing it and you know bring that back to make our meets better too so I've, i got a lot of good ideas from from the alabama club they put on a great meet uh we went down there man that's when i had my yeah my passage red tail um i mean she was yeah just a monster on squirrels we put her up in these woods uh that hadn't been hunted all year they're like oh there's fox squirrels in these woods and my bird had taken fox squirrels before i mean a lot of people were yeah and i had never seen an alabama fox squirrel either i don't know they're a lot different than ours so anyways yeah we start flying she catches one brings it down to the ground and i was just there's a youtube video of this i was just shocked by the just the color of it they have like black faces like with like white muzzles but still, like another, like if it's up in a tree, I mean, it's got the big red tail like our fox squirrels have. So I didn't think anything of it, and then it comes down, and I'm just like freaking out by the way this this fox squirrel looks. I mean, it's a huge fox squirrel. Are they comparable? I mean, are they even bigger than than our? It fox looked squirrels bigger. Here? Yeah, it looked bigger than our fox. I mean, not much bigger. It's not like a you know a groundhog or anything. But I mean, this, they're pretty. This is your time to embellish as much. They're pretty as you big. Want, man. <laughs> no, they're, they're they're some big squirrels. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, my bird catches one brings it down to the ground i'm like this thing has a black head and everybody's just like these are what are this is a fox squirrel have you never seen a fox squirrel i'm like no these these are different like ours look way different than that i've never seen one like this and i'm like i'm gonna take this to a taxidermist i think so anyway we get up i catch another one like 20 minutes later in the same woodlot same bird catch another one that's great yeah and um so i think we were walking back like okay yeah we got to get yeah somebody else's bird to try here so uh yeah we hunted pretty brief yeah just about 30 40 minutes um walking back to the truck i wanted to take a kill picture just of you know my bird hooded put the two squirrels there on a log and uh take a picture of them just because the the way these squirrels look reaching to reach into my bag pull out one set it down reaching my other bag feel squirming one of the squirrels was not completely dispatched <laughs> takes off running yeah the dogs didn't see it takes off running up a tree so i i unhooded my bird just tossed her right back up in the tree <laughs> she catches the squirrel a third time so in a youtube video there's there's three catches by my bird on two squirrels uh, and so they were yeah are you know, like so wait what is this does this count as three or two squirrels and i'm like this is three there's three catches so anyways yeah that was that was my first uh phantom zombie squirrel experience it was yeah they, these are huge i just i dispatched it like i would a gray squirrel here but mm -hmm. and obviously i did not uh dispatch it enough so <laughs> that was uh that was a thrilling first day at the alabama meet and then the second day oh man that was so much fun um we got a big group of us together and uh everybody was just kind of doing a one and done we had the afternoon to hunt we had about four birds to fly so um same bird we get out um it's like this like cypress swamp area it's totally different than anything we fly here and my bird was kind of acting a little weird i don't know she may have been a little bit low but she was flying low to the trees just big group more dogs 
kind of thing. She was acting just a little bit weird. So anyways, we start, yeah, chasing this gray. She sees a gray school squirrel, starts chasing it through the trees, these low, real thin ones. Um, we had three, three deckers on the ground. Um, and squirrel bails onto the ground. This young decker, um, grabs one, takes it in the mat, grab, grabs the, grabs the squirrel before my bird does grabs. And we're like, yay, the, the dog got the squirrel. And then he like, takes his dog, takes the squirrel over to his owner and just looks at him and, and just drops the squirrel at his feet. The squirrel's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> so the squirrel takes off again, goes back up into the tree and then my bird catches it. So that was, yeah, we were all, yeah, we had a good laugh about that. So that was a lot of fun. I'm sure you counted that one too, right? Oh, I totally counted that one because my bird <laughs> ended up catching it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I don't awesome. care. I put a little ask, asterisk like for whenever my dog catches a squirrel. She's caught two this year. So yeah, she's done real well. Um, yeah, so those are the funny stories. But then I think, yeah, kind of one of, I don't know, my better moments, I think, in falconry career. And I think for any Eastern us fal like falconers whenever they go out west and get their first jackrabbit mm -hmm. i think and i got to i got to do that this year out in oklahoma and i'm like feeling like emotional about it like when i'm <laughs> just even like thinking about it just because you know you drive you drive out there you know you you put in the time you, totally you scout understand. the areas and stuff i mean you you spend weeks i mean i think anybody going to nafa meet you know east of the mississippi they go out there to catch a jackrabbit and that's what they're mainly going for so yeah, we, um, we had heard of a few spots. People were seeing jacks around, um, Oklahoma this year. And yeah, that was, that was a great meet overall. Um, but, uh, we scouted a few areas, you know, didn't see some. So we're just like, we came here to catch jackrabbits. Like we're going to Amarillo. Like we're, it's two and a half hours West for us. So, um, just from talking to people there, they were, I mean, everybody was just like, okay, you want to catch jackrabbits? He, he called this guy in Amarillo. I mean, I called Tom Colson. I called Jimmy Walker. I called, yeah, just people who just know the area and they, they directed us like right where to go. And I, mean, I, I just thought that was great. Just kind of the, just the willingness to help out just to, to do that for you. Michael Baran put me in touch with uh, Jimmy Walker. He sent me pins of where he had solved jackrabbits a few years ago and everything. So four of us, two of us from Tennessee, two of us from Kentucky went out there and uh yeah started um started yeah looking for jack and i'm just like we we're walking through these you know where they sit just in these like mowed lawns mm -hmm. and it just yeah i'm like we're not gonna see anything but there's poop everywhere on the ground i'm like they must be here and you find the little beds that they dig in and yep. stuff i'm like this is insane like and then just all of a sudden this nine pound jackrabbit just freaking <laughs> just rushes out of the ground and that the first time we we'd flushed one like i i had i had my adult bird on my fist my friend was carrying um my juvie and yeah they just they both bolted after it and the the jackrabbits they run into the wind so the first time i mean they didn't they didn't hesitate they went right after it but it, they just lost it in right. the winds but seeing that and like knowing what i've heard about entering you know an adult bird on a jackrabbit like they may not chase it you got to do it when they're young and stuff but then seeing like seeing them chase yeah the, their first jackrabbit i was just like this is gonna happen we're, we're gonna we're gonna do this yeah so um they we flushed like two more jackrabbits ran into the wind they got so close on a few just i mean got above them rebounded missed the jackrabbit juked them every time but uh we went over to this new area and we flushed it and this jackrabbit was dumb enough to run you know Downwind. with with the wind yeah that's yeah. that's the that's the death and death we started right walking there, yeah. yeah crosswind i think is how we were doing it mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's 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 typically how you start yeah because if they if they fly into the wind then your mm -hmm. bird literally has 
basically no chance. And they know that. I yeah. mean, the Jackrabbits are smart. They know that. I right. Mean, and that's that's how, I mean, that's all they've got is that knowledge. Right. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I totally get that. It's I got totally you. different. Yeah. yeah. Totally different animals. I mean, they're, yeah, they're totally, they're hares. They're, they're totally different than cottontails. I mean, mm-hmm. they're just, yeah, once you see one, you, you know, and then you see them up close. A big eye staring at you in the face, but yeah, we we flushed that. We were walking, we were walking crosswind, and the one just yeah ran off to our our right, um, in the wind, and yeah, just I I pitched my bird up. She pitched up about fifty feet, and I just watched her. And by the time I could see the jackrabbit over like the juveniles, yeah, she had it by the ass, just like yeah already <laughs> riding it. And then my adult bird just came in and just slammed it on the head, and yeah, that, that was yeah, that's nah, pretty cool. It was it was pretty special, so. Yeah, I'm happy I, I got to go out there and make the trip, and and yeah, makes made some good memories that day. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah, no, you're right though. I mean, it's basically everybody east of the Mississippi always wants to do jacks at some sure. point, and it's not very often you get to to make that happen. And so when you is exactly like you just described. Anytime you plan that trip, it doesn't matter how much or how little you spend. It's going to be either completely validated or invalidated by whether or not you even get a single jack or not. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and if you don't, it's like every passing day that you don't get one, it's like that that self-pressure yeah. you know, just kind of keeps like building and mounting. And then if multiple days go by and you still haven't gotten one, that, that first one that you do get, it's like, it makes you that much more emotional. So I totally can oh, 1 totally. million percent relate to exactly what you said because I, I felt the exact same way. And it was kind of funny because the very first Jack I ever got, got it the exact same way. The Jack was for whatever reason, dumb enough to start running with wind, you know, mm-hmm. downwind. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, when, I, when that happens, that bird is totally going to catch oh, up to yeah. it. It's just whether or not Instantly. I can hang on to yeah. it afterwards. You know? No, I mean, those chases lasted, yeah, a quarter mile. The ones where they were running into the wind, because my mm-hmm. birds did not stop. But this one, yeah, it, it went yeah a couple hundred yards, and then it was over. Well, and that's and that's really also why you need to go with other guys that are experienced mm-hmm. and have caught jacks before, because there's other things that those jackrabbits do, too, that you don't know. That, we don't know. We're, yeah, that, we're rednecks from Kentucky and yeah, Tennessee. Yeah, right? it, yeah, it, we, exactly. Yeah. And, like, you wouldn't know, like – there's so many little things that they do to make it look like your bird almost has it caught. Yeah. But it's all strategy. Oh, we thought, yeah. You know, there's so many times where that, that rabbit will slow down and even borderline stop and let your bird catch up to it and then instantly take the off again. And you're like, oh, it almost got it. No, no, it didn't you almost see this, have it. Yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> the jackrabbit just kind of like loping along. Yeah, and like, it did it on like, purpose. Oh, that thing's pretty fast. Yeah. And then just, I mean, it turns yeah. on the afterburners, and you're just like, whoa. Like, and it's all a strategy. Yeah. It knows exactly what it's doing. Yeah. And, yeah, it's nuts. No, you learned a lot that day. That was my first time ever, yeah, I mean, hunting jackrabbits. I mean, yeah, we had a couple of the guys had some, you know, past – experience doing it not they were yeah they weren't locals they didn't know but they'd tried jacks before so yeah it was a lot of fun cool well you i know. mean is there any anything else you want to share as far as uh um i mean we're, yeah talking about nafa this year i mean yeah i got to do the um the vendor coordination uh for that meet that was that was a lot of fun um they had it at a great venue and um yeah i just had a lot of a lot of fun kind of organ I, I just like organizing you know social groups centered around something everybody likes to do so I got the Kentucky Club. Um, I've been kind of wanting to get a little bit more involved yeah, at a national level, and I've got to meet a lot of great people through NAFA. Um, I've kind of taken on, learned a lot more about their membership process, um, 
I'm yeah, I'm working with Lauren Reddig on, you know, the, as the assistant membership secretary right now. Um, so it's, it's been a, been a good experience. And then, yeah, just seeing kind of everybody come together, the vendor night stuff, uh, that I got to organize there at the, at the meet was, was a lot of fun too. So nice. Yeah. Cool. I'm going to go back for many more. Yeah. Well, speaking of going back, I guess, um, we should probably go ahead and, you know, like, I got my own raffle and stuff to set yeah, up. For. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta, you gotta get going here shortly and, right. and get ready for that and eat and stuff beforehand and anything. I mean, is there anything else you want to go ahead and uh, and give? Um, you know, a quick. Uh, I said a quick. Uh, you know, shout out to or you know, is there anything that you want to you know let people know about or? Um, um, you know, before we jump, we off covered of here, most or? of it here, but yeah, like we had an updated website, KentuckyFalconry.com. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, check it out. We uh, do our memberships. Yeah, anybody can join. We have yeah, Kentucky Falconer members or out-of-state Falconers can join. Yeah, at an associate level or non-Falconers can join it as an associate member. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you'll keep up to date with a lot of you know our happenings, what we got going on. We got a lot of a lot of big plans ahead. So sweet. Yeah. Cool. Well, if you're uh, if you're good, then then I'm good. And like I, I said, I'm, I'm glad glad we got a chance to to catch up and do another. Yeah. No, thanks for coming to the yeah. meet and coming down, and hope you had a good time here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little quicker episode, but that's fine. We're we're both kind of uh, you know we're in the middle, out. a little 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 <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah, we've been out in the field all day, and yeah. uh, it's all good. I'm glad we at least got a chance to to, to catch up and and kind of uh, you know regroup and figure out what's up. Yeah, absolutely. Know? Thank you. So, awesome, man. Well, let's uh, let's go have some dinner. Sounds good. All right, man. <laughs>